Welcome to Upper Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Today's guest is renowned author, speaker, and veterinarian, Dr. Adam Chrisman. Adam is the Chief Veterinary Officer at MJH Life Sciences and oversees the veterinary division that includes Fetch, DVM 360, First Line, and Vet Ed. He advocates for pet parents and animals and is passionate about spreading awareness on many topics. So he and I decided to loosely focus on shelter medicine or shelter vet care. But as what often happens with my guests, we talk about a number of interesting topics. And he and I talked about foster care and rescue organizations around the world, legislation protecting animal welfare, and why having four little dogs is a great way to keep warm in the winter. I follow our chat with a talk on how creativity, fun, and honest humor encourage engagement, increase awareness, and add value to a learning experience. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. I'm so excited to start our chat with Adam. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Good. You know, we're hanging. How about yourself? We're doing well. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is really cool. We're really happy to have you here and chat about what you're doing over there in, uh, well, where are you? In New Jersey? New Jersey. Right? New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> Where they park the car in the carport. Is that New Jersey? Did I do that right? That is, yeah. yeah. We, have <laughs> we have a parkway and then we have a parking lot. It's like the, the kind of an odd you know, verbiage and coffee talk about our dogs. Right. Dogs with the D with the W in there, right? Dogs. Right. That's awesome. So you've been um, making quite the impact in your area there with um especially with your uh shelter dog uh the shelters and the rescues. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've always been passionate about shelter medicine since I've started practicing. Even before I went to vet school, I was involved with animal shelter work. So something that's very near and dear to me. And, you know, a lot of veterinarians do shelter medicine exclusively. I, I did do it at one point exclusively, but now more part time. But uh, the big thing is, you know, educating pet parents about adoption and rescue and the importance of it and the why behind it, especially this year. You my gosh, the, you know. Adoption's been through the roof, as you know. So um, within our town, um, about like five years ago, we had two puppy stores in our town. And you know how it is. I mean, you, you, everyone to our listeners, I'm sure they know, like they, there's that impulse buy. They want to get that Maltese or that boxer puppy, you know, that purebred German shepherd. But let me tell you, and I, I practiced in the town where these puppy stores were, and they had a multitude of problems. And pet owners were so frustrated because they spent five, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 on some of these puppies. And they kept getting sick. And veterinarians and the rescue organizations, shelters were getting annoyed about it. So we made some noise. And um, as the shelter veterinarian in the town, we decided we were getting a lot of complaints about one in particular that was selling sick puppies. And sure enough, I went in there and I had the mayor with me and wow. I told him I counted 26 of the 29 puppies were <laughs> physically sick, physically something we can tell either worms were coming out of them, respiratory, ocular discharge, complete. Uh, five of them had full blown pneumonia. And so uh, we said, we're going to shut them down. We just we, we literally just uh, took the puppies away and gave them to the, they all had to go to the hospital. So they went to a 24 hour emergency hospital and right. we all vetted them. And then, you know, that created a whole stir, which was great in the sense that 
they were shut down for selling uh, sick animals. And it Good cut to legislation. Yeah, thank you very much because someone has to, to do, do it. Right. And, and it people wasn't... don't they don't have the ability necessarily to do that. They they can complain to. Well, I guess put in a yeah, yeah, complaint to the mayor. But when it when there's somebody that has a professional backing or standing in in conjunction with working with uh, people that have the ability to change legislation, well, shit's going to happen. It is. That's that's right. when it gets done, because your regular person going in there, that's that's tough, you know, and it also right. it, it pulls at their heartstrings. It does. It really does. And, you know, that that was because from being the veterinarian to these owners and these dogs that I have seen die that were unfortunate, that didn't have to die because they were sold. Um, that's what gave me the momentum. I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose, but only to gain. And, you know, my was my personal mission. But then it was a group of us that was really fantastic and instrumental to it. And thankfully, like we had such a great mayor that was so open to it and understood and you know, when we had legislation get passed, it wasn't just overnight. It was a process. It took. I was going to ask that. I was going to yeah. ask how long did that legislation take, and and how difficult was that? It, it, so it took about a year. It oh. really did because yeah, it was multiple conversations that needed to happen at town hall meetings, and so okay. where he heard, and it wasn't just him, but also the panel of you know council men and women that were there to just better understand. And I love the transparency that these council members just said. I didn't know. I had no idea that this was actually, you know, I didn't know the difference between rescuing and a puppy store. Like if I wanted to get a Yorkshire Terror, I thought I would go to a puppy store. So there's that like stigma that we just always thought about. So they appreciated the education and the fact that here we were, not just me, there were other veterinarians and technicians and rescue organizations that were in the courtroom talking about these instances and showing and showcasing the stories of these animals that have died, unfortunately, because of this. And so- it led them to pass a law that, you know, uh, for the the ban, the, it was a ban for the sale and use of puppies and cats um, in any puppy store, uh, which is fantastic. So, you know, others, that, which is really good. So, and like I was telling you before, what we're seeing now that's happening, and I'm, I think this is seeing, I'm seeing this in other areas of the U.S. at least, is that, you know, in lieu of that puppy store that was there, now it's the rescue group that was from a shelter, for instance, or an SPCA, whatever it is. They have a little bit of a satellite place that's educating pet parents and having some good dogs that are in need of homes and telling their story. And so they're having an education center within the mall or within a store, whatever it is. And that's just their satellite to their main organization or their shelter rescue. And I think that's just fantastic. It is fantastic. So that those satellite locations, they're not set up there permanently. They they go in there and they might have uh their foster homes bring. I mean, the, the, this is, I, I'm asking you, but it, it's also yeah. being done here in our city, yay, which I'm happy about. So Excellent. they, or at least uh, uh, pre-COVID, I'm, I'm not sure now, but they would have a day where all the fosters or as many as could would bring in their dogs to these satellite locations. And, and it just, uh, and then of course there's fundraising and education and everything that goes with that. It's, it's almost like right. a, a day event as opposed yes. to the dogs staying there permanently. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what it was. But I mean, now with COVID, everything has changed, unfortunately, yeah. where the store is not no longer there because of, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, I, the, a good thing that we're seeing, and I'm sure you are too, is with these foster homes um, because of COVID. So there's like a really good thing that has happened with, with the, the pandemic is the fact that um, the fostering 
we have in such a great surge and a great return in terms of like these animals that are going to great pet owners. They're going right from foster right into uh, the new pet owner, which is great. And so in other words, they don't have to go back to the shelter or the organization where we have to increase contact time or exposure with the pet owners, as well as like the you know professionals that are at the shelter. So they're doing some like tele telemedicine, if you will, consultations or whatever, just they're showing them on their phone what their house looks like. They're giving them a tour. And then, you know, the shelter volunteers are educating them. It's like, well, if you're going to have a cat, if you're going to have two cats, we should have X amount of litter boxes. I see that you have a front upstairs, downstairs, might want to have one upstairs, one downstairs. So it's really nice that you get to like peel back the curtain because you never did this before, before COVID. You never really had this video conferencing that was happening. And so they're able to actually see that they're going to great homes. And, you know, these foster parents are fantastic because they're sharing everything on social media. They're actually showing the videos of the day in the life of Max. And this is what he'll be doing at your home and how wonderful he is. So um, that's why I personally think there is such a huge influx in adoption and rescue this year because of, of the pandemic. Yes, and it's changing people's schedule and just changing what's important to them and what they have the ability to do and to help with. Uh, I I think a lot of the rescues that I've uh, had affiliation with over the past decades, I, actually, a lot of them have had foster. I've really, really promoted foster as opposed to location-based. But a lot of the location-based, I find, too, over the past decade have also said, hey, yes, we are going to incorporate fosters as well. So they might rotate those dogs or they might put in, I, even in my book that uh, came out uh, last year, 2019, I, I talk about where you want to adopt a, a dog from, like what's a good idea. And I always, my big one is fosters. If you can, you know, because you can ask the foster what's important to you. How's the dog in the car? Mm -hmm. I mean, being a behaviorist, obviously, a lot of mine, mine is, uh, you know, yours is medicine and health. And of course, very important, but not my area of expertise. But as far as um, the behavior, you know, have you taken that dog to your to your friend's house pre-COVID? Or, you know, how is that dog, like I said, in the car? Instead of that big generic question of how's the dog with kids? Like you mm -hmm. said, you can specifically see them in the family, on the living room, watching TV, doing what what you might do. Or something that's specific to that person and what they need. You know, I'd like to go for a jog with, you know, I'd like to run with the dog. Have you ever ran with the dog? You know, and these fosters are great because they'll say, huh, no, but I can check that out. Or how's the dog with cats? Huh, I don't know, but we, I can check that out for you. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to have those conversations and to visually see what the day in the life of what they're doing. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. So we also want to talk about... Uh, yeah, the shelters that you do volunteer at and uh, the shelter medicine and maybe some of the um, the common yeah. um, health issues that, that would arise. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, in shelter medicine, vet veterinarians deal exclusively with, you know, uh, population control too. So uh, zoonotic diseases, diseases that you and I can get from animals is a big thing too. So your common ones that the shelter veterinarians are worried about would be um, like ringworm, for instance, and certain intestinal parasites, so hmm. roundworms and hookworms. So, you know, we're, you know, we're talking in the year of a pandemic where we have to make sure we're wearing our personal protective equipment. This is a great example where shelter veterinarians have to really be diligent because they don't also don't want to be what's called a fomite. In other words, you and I can 
not necessarily get the disease, but we can transmit it to other animals. So Bordetella or kennel cough, you know, feline herpes virus, those are things that we can transmit. So we always to make sure we're going from one room to another and doing it with good hygiene. So, um, yeah, so that's a, a big thing that, uh, that yeah. animals, yeah, that we, that we deal with in, in shelter medicine. So infectious diseases, of course, like feline leukemia and, and FIV in cats. And we want to make sure that we deal with that appropriately. It's not the end all be all by any means, but it's just a matter of making sure that we're isolating that population. And then same thing for, for dogs. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we will have a case of kennel cough or, you know, God forbid, influenza is a big thing too. So that can run through uh, these shelters. So, and then also heartworm is huge everywhere. So making sure that they're getting their treatments that they need. Um, and then finally, spaying and neutering is a big thing. So testicle festivals for everyone. <laughs> and I love out that. with the That's lady awesome. bits. Yes, I love it. That's awesome. Yes, uh, yeah. anyone listening to this knows uh, how big a fan I am. And I've uh, um, volunteered at spay and neuter clinics in lots of different countries and places. And they're just it's so important and that falls right back on to education. It really does. And I, I have to say to, to your listeners, like, please be so mindful and respectful to the shelter organizations and rescue groups. They are working tirelessly hard. If they are working and getting paid for it, that's not getting paid enough. And most of them are volunteering their times and efforts and donating. So please be so kindful and kind and respectful to them because they really go out of their way above and beyond. Um, and, and understand yeah. that because they are volunteers, they can't always respond immediately or they can't take your dog that second, or they can't, you know, right. they're, they, they, they're doing it because they're choosing to help, which is great yes. in the way that uh, they have the skills to do. Um, so, you know, be patient. And they don't yeah. always have all the answers, even though they may have lived with that dog or their dog lived with them. <laughs> Depends on which way you mm. look at it. Um, right. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they the dog's going to be exactly the same in their house as in, you know, the adopter's home. And and but but they are a a wealth of knowledge and, and a really good resource. Uh, but they, they are volunteers, and and they also see the shit side too. They see the as you do, I'm sure, when you go yes. in the shelter and it gets oh, yeah. frustrating. Yes, it gets very frustrating. Uh, but I think the number one thing it boils down to, just like you talked about, was education and just educating the pet parents and be mindful of the fact that if you get declined, it's you're being declined for a reason for the greater interest of the animal. 99% of the time, it's a good match. You want this human animal bond. We want you to enjoy the love of the human animal bond. I mean, no, nothing is stronger than that, but we want to make sure it's a good bond on both ends. It's a good marriage and be patient with it too. So if it doesn't meet your expectations the first week, talk to us, talk to the shelter veterinarians or the rescue groups and organizations, see what works, show them a video of what may, may not work. You're very competent in behavior. So they talk to individuals like yourself to say, hey, you know, I, I'm just not understanding what the separation anxiety is. All of a sudden I'm leaving and they're freaking out all of a sudden. So having those, you know, uh, good candid conversations will really help increase the likelihood of them staying in their homes. Yes. Yes, it is. And, and on the flip side too, patience is important, but productive patience uh, yes. by, seeking, by seeking some advice and some help, uh, because you can only expect people to be so, so patient. You know, they, they need right. to see that this is going somewhere <laughs> and that the bond is going somewhere and, and, and that the, the dog is, you know, healthy and happy and that they're a good home. Yes. 
I can hear your dogs. You hear them? I can hear these. Oh, this is at the shelter. And the shelter is going. Our, our heating went. And so the, uh, the heating guy obviously arrived, if you haven't heard. so Yeah, that's hilarious. So you're at the shelter now. Uh, that sounds like it. I'm actually yeah. at my house. Those are oh, four dachshunds that you hear. That's awesome. Yeah. Nothing like real life being in the moment. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, my goodness. Well, they think they're Doberman Pinchers, of course. Anyone yeah. that owns the small dogs, they know. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. That's gosh. great. Well, that's that's exactly. I love the real life. I've always worked in the real life situation. And you know what? It's just it is what it is. And what happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's great. Well, well, 2020 is the year of like, you know, uh, candid, candid conversations <laughs> and full transparency. <laughs> like. Just keeping it real is what it is, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so funny. It but is. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well, good for you. And glad the heating guy's there because heat's heat's important. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it you is. Know, I had I a picture. Gonna... I I was just gonna say I posted a picture of um of the dachshunds. We had the we turned the fireplace on and they and then I put this song to Michael Bublé, chestnuts roasting on an open oh, fire. Yes. <laughs> They're all lengthwise. They look like sausage links just cooking right by the fire. That's so funny. <laughs> that is. That's your your quintessential Christmas photo. Yes. You can put that on your cards and send them out. Yeah, I was just right. about to say you can only uh, keep warm by sleeping with so many dogs, but that's not true because there's never too many dogs that you can sleep <sighs> with. <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, right now I have four and I tell everyone it's because I there's four chambers to the heart. So I need one Aww. to fill each chamber to my heart. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh, well, yes. you're amazing. You're, oh. you're doing some really, really good work, uh, both, um, I guess, the hands on with changing the legislation and also just uh, the super important education and just being there. And I'm going to have in the show notes, uh, you know, links to your um social media and what you've got going on because you always have like really interesting boot camps and camps and just yes. things that you're you know it's really really great i'm all over i love it i'm on tiktok instagram linkedin twitter i mean you name it i i love it i love educating i i teach the veterinary technician program at the college so i love educating them that way too so there's so many different opportunities that i i, I love and um you know, we, you and I channel and harness um, social media for the, for the greater good of these animals, yes. which is great. So yes. yeah, I yes, love what you do. Thank you for thanks. all your work. Thanks. Yeah. My, yeah. my big thing is to spread awareness on the, the difference between dogs over six months and under six months. But I think everybody listening to this probably it. knows that, but what, but when it comes to behavior, so if, if what you're doing with your, your dog that you either adopted or had from puppy over six months. Uh, what was working under six months or just isn't working there, there are other options. And that's, that's, that's important to know. There's not just one right way to work with a dog. Right. Oh, I'm so glad yeah. that you do that. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. Well, thank you so much again, Adam. And yes. uh, yeah, and we will keep in touch and I look forward to everything that you do in the future. Absolutely. Stay possum. <laughs> Love it. You're great. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. You got Bye-bye. It. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Dr. Adam Chrisman. That was informative and super fun. Adam is genuinely devoted to the health and welfare of animals and to sharing information that helps animals and people. Adam is also passionate about providing this information in a fun and interesting way. I love this. 
My clients often tell me how unique not only Upward Dogology as a methodology is, but also how refreshing my approach to teaching it is. Because I specialize in aggression and anxiety rehab, clients are often stressed when they hire me. I do not preach or instill rules, and although terminology and structure help explain concepts, many trainers rely too heavily on science-based terminology and feel the need to instill rules, which can backfire. When working with people who are simply trying to help their dog, it is best to relate to them, and the ability to do this comes with experience and confidence. I often use comparison to humans because my clients relate to it, such as the guy at the party with the lampshade on his head when describing silly, fun, yet often unmannered dogs, or comparing the off-leash dog parks to a bar on a Saturday night. It can be a bit of a crapshoot. Or with dogs with aggression or anxiety, I will let my clients know we can address the reason for the behavior and in turn decrease or eliminate the unwanted behavior. But their dog may never be the welcome wagon. Essentially, he or she may simply not be taking on any new friends. My style has always been my own and that is a reflection of my learning journey. For those of you who have listened to the first episode of this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. That episode has received great reviews. My book won the 2019 American Best Book Fest Award for Pets Narrative Nonfiction category, not only for the content, but for the delivery. It has been reviewed as, quote, straightforward with honest humor that clearly denotes the author's expertise in her field. To quote Keith Richards, you don't find a style, a style finds you. I have always remained true to who I am and my way of working with dogs which for those of you who are unfamiliar with upper dogology, it's grounded in cognitive behavioral therapy as opposed to operant conditioning, which positive reinforcement training and balance training are grounded in. This, of course, has created waves in the dog behavioral world for decades, as has my unique program model. My clients, however, love the program model, the upper dogology methodology, and commonly my style as I do my best to adapt it to that of my individual client. As with Adam, I believe providing information and advice in a way that is enjoyable and fun adds value and increases participation, understanding, and success. I have grown as a professional by working with thousands of dogs in different environments and developing my own methodology, which I teach to clients in a one-on-one -on -one style. And that means two-way conversation, and that requires direct questions and answers hands-on interaction, even if that's Zoom. And this format is one many professionals find intimidating because it's showtime all the time. I'm sure Adam can relate as he is an expert in interactive webinars and fielding questions and being in the spotlight. It is my goal, my next venture on my lengthy, unique, and successful career path to make Upward Dogology mainstream. My clients are always asking me why my methodology is not out there why the experts are still recommending solutions grounded in operant conditioning. I can't answer that, but I know it's time to share upper dogology on a larger scale. I recently have been in contact with scientists who recognize the need to understand how to work with dogs over six months, and in particular, ones with checkered pass. It is necessary for those who have this influence and ability to make these changes happen, to not only improve the lives of dogs, but to save dogs' lives. Please help spread awareness by sharing these episodes with anyone you feel may be interested, as well as following Upper Dogology, Dr. Adam Chrisman, and Open Strum, who generously provided the music and helps animals and people in so many ways on all their social media platforms. The links are in the show notes. Enjoy your learning journey.